Welcome to the Kickstart Your Book Sales Podcast with USA Today bestselling authors Russell Nolte and Monica Lionel, where you'll learn how to supercharge your book sales, go aggressively wide, and take your author career to the next level. Hello, Amy. Hey, good afternoon or morning, depending on where you are. <laughs> it's kind of in that, that it's like 11.35 here. So like it's kind of in that like morning, but not really morning time frame. That's definitely afternoon for Russell, I would say. Yeah. Well, I guess I get up at like five. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Amy, do you want to uh, tell us a little about yourself and about your project? Sure. Um, I write LGBTQ-focused um Weird Western fantasy, which is kind of a very niche genre to uh, to write in a hard sell. And hello to the people saying hi to me. Um, so I was really excited to see other authors having success on Kickstarter, especially like Jenny with um, her bargain at Brave Bank, because she also writes like weird westerns. And I was like, ooh, if she can have success, then maybe I can too. Um, so that's when I became very excited and learning about Kickstarter from y'all. Yeah, I mean, I think $5,000 on a weird Western book is like at the upper echelon of what <laughs> someone could expect to make on Amazon, right? Uh, at launch for a book. Yep. For um, sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's awesome. Like, I'm, it's one of the... Uh, uh, and, and the way you did the campaign was great. So um, I would love to just hear about kind of... We've been... I guess, like, what are the biggest lessons that you learned from your Kickstarter experience? So I definitely learned that it's good to have your launch page up ahead of time. Um, I had mine up, I think, about a month ahead of time. I was hitting my my social media with it pretty hard, hitting, hitting the newsletter with it pretty hard. And like other authors, I was trying to warm up my newsletter to Kickstarter because, you know, 90% of them hadn't used Kickstarter before, didn't know what it was. A lot of people think it's like GoFundMe. And I'll admit like a year ago, if you told me like I was going to put something on Kickstarter and make almost $5,000, I would have been like, no, I don't want to be begging for money. Like that's just so, you know, so rude. But, you know, learning more about what Kickstarter was and how it helps creatives, I was like, oh, wow, I think a lot of people don't understand what this is because you're always hearing about GoFundMe and you hear Kickstarter as like a side conversation. So for me, it was a lot of like educating people. And I think even when I launch my next campaign, I'll have to kind of educate people again in advance of that. So that's definitely an ongoing thing for me. And I think a lot of newer authors coming to the platform will need to do that too. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually, when I launched my Kickstarter, um, one of my family members, I would say who, but they were like, uh, what are you doing on this platform? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm selling books. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to say to them. And then I realized later, like, oh, they think that I'm like, you know, essentially trying to pay for like medical bills, which is what everybody's doing on GoFundMe. <laughs> but they, you know, they think that I'm begging for money. And because it was just like, there was like this negativity to it. Like, um, are you just getting like 20 grand from people? <laughs> like, like they were just like kind of confused. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's very common. And I, and I think as a, as an author community, you know, we need to educate readers, um, our, our own readers, but also just readers in general, because as we do that, that helps the entire platform. So, yeah. So what, what else, what, what would you say? Um, I, you know, one thing I'd like to hear is, um, 
in the middle of the launch, like what were some of the things that you learned? So kind of like we, we talk, we call it the dead zone. Um, I know you kind of, you had some dead zone experiences, I think, if I recall yes. correctly. <laughs> the dead zone is don't do 24 day campaigns. Like <laughs> listen to Russell. Russell is right. <laughs> campaigns. Yeah, I was like, oh, tw- 24 days means like more money, right? No, more days does not equate to more money. It does not. Um, especially because I've, I've funded within the first like 12 minutes, my campaign was up, even though like I didn't tell anybody when I was launching it, I got to work one day and I was like, I'm going to press the button. And like, I go to work and do some stuff and like, I, I log into Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, like it, it's funded. And I literally just pressed the button. So um you know, the longer campaign doesn't mean you'll make more money. You might, you might kind of skyrocket up there and then get to the dead zone. And then like you're full of angst for the next week or so until you get to the end of your campaign, which is what I, I did. Um, and I, I did lots of stuff to try to get out of the dead zone. Um, like I actually met with my cousin's book club and kind of talked to, um, the, the book club virtually about my books, um, and about Kickstarter, but I don't think any of it. Well, my cousin ended up supporting me, but I don't think anybody else did. Um, I did lots of swaps with other people who were on Kickstarter. Um, I kept doing lots of social media. I did Facebook ads, which um, I did use the little specific link that we can track, but I don't think I got anybody from those. But that's another thing that people need to know is that you can use those uh, unique links to see where people are coming from. And in my next campaign, I plan to use those a lot sooner so I can see um, where people are coming from and have a better idea of who's coming from where. Yeah, that makes sense. I really, yeah, we don't talk enough about those referral links. Um, so basically in Kickstarter, in the dashboard, you can set referral links. Uh, and they're really simple to use. And you just, you um, you know, you can set one for Facebook, for example. Your so- Facebook social media, you can set a different one for Facebook ads, a different one for your email list and whatever. And, and truly see, like, what is actually helping. Uh, I think that... Um, you know, even doing that for like cross swaps can be really helpful to see like who, you know, like are, are the, are the swaps working for me? And I think you did swaps as well, right, Amy? Yeah, I did lots of swaps. Yeah. Um, did you, so you said that you didn't, you didn't quite start using them right away. So you don't totally know like your breakdown of what was working for you. Yeah. I didn't use them till like the second week because with my first Kickstarter, like I felt doing really good just getting the campaign looking nice and pressing the button. I was like, okay, that's success. I've made the page look nice. I pressed the button. I funded like, I can just coast from now and like de-stress a little bit because, you know, there, there's a lot of stress with these Kickstarter launches. Um, but then after it got going, I was like, oh, what's this referral link? You know, I saw Russell and Monica talk about it. You know, let me see what it does. And later I was like, oh, well, I should have used this from the beginning. Um <laughs> It's a live and learn thing. Now now I know for next time. So uh, people who are new to Kickstarter, take advantage of those referral links. They're very useful. I would say like, I, I don't know if you use them, Russell, but I would say I have not really ever used them. And I know I should, but I'm always like, I just have that. I have a link that like just redirects to the campaign. And so when I'm doing Facebook or whatever, I'm like, I, like, I don't know, I'm doing this on my phone. So like, I'm always, you know, I always just default to that, but I know that I should be using it. Uh, more and uh, Russell, do you end up using those very often? Or no, I should as well, <laughs> especially when we're talking we about do it the well, same way. <laughs> well, when we have when you have like affiliates and a lot of people that you're so there's like a 
there's like a handshake agreement among creators when you're like doing swaps and stuff. It's just like you're gonna do it, and like, like I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about doing it with like for swaps because like I when people ask me to use a referral code, I'm like, what? You don't trust me? Like we're we like now, nah, like this is not a like. Are we really like conducting business now? Where like you're going to like track me as if like I'm like and expect me to perform in a way like I don't know how this is going to perform but on the other hand I'm like no like I want to I don't care if you like if you if I make $20 or $0 or $500 but I sure as heck would like to know like where the money is coming from better so mm-hmm. I I kind of like am on both sides of this as like a long-term creator has been doing this for almost a decade on the platform and like as someone who loves data um uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, I mean, there, it, it's great to use them in theory, <laughs> uh, whether, whether you're going to use them in practice or not is, uh, and I think also when you, when you're doing your first couple of campaigns, like it's really good to use those referral links. Cause you're like trying so many new things that you have like mm-hmm. no idea, you know, like, you know, you're doing, you may be doing like a promotional services or whatever, and like giving them our links so that like, you can track whether that is successful or not is like very valuable because you don't want to you will eventually learn that none of these promotional services save for like a very select number are like valuable and even then only in like specific situations but like the more things that you do the more you can like actually say oh no backer swaps accounted for like 30 percent of my money so right. yes it's very important i don't need that kind of data because i already know that the things are valuable but like to just see it for yourself a lot of people especially when they're in the program as amy said like go their own way and they're like i'm gonna do a 24 day <laughs> campaign even though russell says a 17 day campaign well, and then to be they, fair you do stay a 24 day campaign as well as I do. one of the options so <laughs> i do i do but like usually you have people have to see it to like believe yeah, it. And yeah then for sure, for sure. even when amy said to do a shorter campaign afterwards people were like i'm still gonna do the long <laughs> campaign and then so like no please don't yes <laughs> so like seeing it is like really a much better use of being like oh look i did a backer swap and my numbers went up like so like as long as number go up i don't really i don't really track what like each piece of the number go up equation is Mm -hmm. but like i think when you're especially when you have a smaller campaign it is good to know like why number go up not just that number go up yeah for me it's like as a marketing person i'm kind of at the point in my career where i'm like a lot of like a lot of stuff works stacked together um so it's hard i'm not i'm just not one of those people who does and before i used to but i'm not one of those people who tracks those things so closely anymore because i'm like i know that these things working together because they tell a full narrative i know that it's going to work together but like that's also like i should definitely poke holes in my own believing of what i know um so (laughs) i know that i should be doing it um but yeah anyway (laughs) any other tips for the dead zone yeah well something else i tried doing and this is another thing that you know Russell said to do it, but at first I was like, no, I don't want to. But um, I started to, in, in the dead zone, I began to email my newsletter list daily, which I, I knew I was going to jettison some people for it and I was going to have a lot of unsubscribes. But again, you know, they would probably unsubscribe eventually anyway. So, you know, better 
better sooner rather than later. Um, so I went from the first week, I think I did it, you know, like twice that week, you know, like upon launch and later, like, oh, we hit this um, stretch goal, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got to the dead zone, I was like, oh, no, I need to like engage these people to come in, you know, throw some money at my Kickstarter to get the cool things. Um, so first I just sent, you know, regular newsletters of like, you know, this is, this is what's going on in my life. This is how the Kickstarter's going. This is the next stretch goal. Um, and then after that, I wasn't getting a lot of traction with that. So I was like, oh, well, let me do like little character interviews and have people hear from the characters that way. And that was successful. I actually had some people email back and they were like, I'm so sorry, I can't support the Kickstarter, but I'm really enjoying this. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of warming them up. So maybe, maybe when, when I do the next one, maybe they'll be interested then. And so I actually decided when I have my next campaign in January, and I think I got this idea from uh, one of Brian Cohen's webinars too, but I'm going to do like a little serialized short story that's actually from a stretch goal from the previous campaign. So the newsletter will get the stretch goal uh, story then, and I'll just be fed have it fed to them and then i'll you know i'll be able to say you know if you enjoyed this this is the kind of thing you can get from the campaign and hopefully keep them engaged in the opening and clicking on the newsletter and entertaining them and maybe getting them to that campaign i love what you said there about entertaining because i think that's something that we i mean we know that fiction is supposed to entertain people but i think people don't always equate like fiction marketing is also supposed to entertain people and like you have to be the entertainment um especially for a kickstarter campaign it's like you have to kind of put yourself on display and be willing i think R russell said earlier be willing to make a spectacle of yourself i don't know if you said that on air or not but yeah be willing to make a spectacle of yourself and so i think that's really cool i love char character interviews i think that's um that's a really fun idea and i i also think that people really like that type of stuff. So, yeah. And I think you also did uh, some mailing list stuff afterwards. Is that right? To like get your, get your, um, get your numbers back up. Was that, was that something that you did? Yes. So I, I took part in a, um, a book sweeps mailing list uh, builder and I think an author's XP one. So I've got some new people from that. So I'm going to be warming those people up to the next Kickstarter too. Yeah, and you think that like th those numbers equaled out, right, or better than equaled out when you took the unsubscribes and then you got a bunch of new people, right? Yeah, and then I, I also recently did a, a re-engagement campaign because I have a lot of people who haven't clicked or opened for a while. Well, you know, you can't really track opens very well with the iOS stuff. But, you know, I've given them opportunities to click on things so I can see if they're clicking. Um, and I lost about 500 people to that campaign, which I'm fine with because, you know, they were dead weight. Um, but I, I did gain a few hundred from the book sweeps and the author's XP. Um, and there are people who are engaging. Like, I just did a newsletter... Um, I'm going to give away three of my AI narrated audiobooks to people who um, who enter a random drawing to tell me what their favorite Halloween candy is, just to get you know some responses and engagement with uh, the list. And I've gotten quite a few replies to that, so the list is kind of gaining its engagement again. Awesome! That's awesome! That's great. Yeah. So somebody had said mailing the mailing list is the biggest mental hurdle, and I think I mean I think what you just said is kind of. Um, some of the mindset stuff to break through that, like one, always be building your email list. So like, it's easier to let go of people who are not engaging when you know you have new people coming in. Uh, and then, you know, two is like, just to keep it really fun and light and engaging and um, be creative in how you like warm people up, 
like you said. I, I love that you said that you are warming people up for your next campaign. Because when is your next campaign coming? I think that's... I'm going to have it in January for the Make 100. So I'm, I've already got the... I'm using a backer kit launch. So I've got that page set. Um, in my last newsletter, I was like, hey, this is coming up in January. So go ahead and, you know, give me a follow. Plus, I showed them another author's campaign to say, hey, this is another cool campaign you can look at in the meantime. So I was kind of doing double duty there. Yeah. Something that Sarah talked about, too, was mm-hmm. like they're they're following and then giving like they're she was backing campaigns and being like, here's a really cool campaign that I backed and trying to warm people up that way. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a great idea I'd never thought about, which is one of the greatest par- parts for me about uh, the accelerator is people come in and they're like, oh, I'm going to try this weird thing I've never <laughs> I've never heard of. But like it right. makes perfect sense when like it like you're like, oh, well, of course, like that's 100 percent what you should be doing. Right. But I mean, that, what I love, you know, what I love what you're saying, and Jamie said this um, before he, he was just on saying this too. He said he started his campaign six weeks ahead. I mean, you're talking about starting, you know, you have, you are marketing your campaign as of October, 2022, and you're launching in January, 2023. So that is three months ahead, at least. Um, and I think that's so important just that you're, you know, um, it, and it, you know, what I'd like to know is, because it's not just about Kickstarter, it's also about, you know, wh- like, it's about like your whole career, right? Because you're warming people up to this, to this next campaign, but like, you're warming people up to that series, you know, and that, like, yes, it, it will hopefully pay off in the next campaign, but like, it could also pay off like a year from now, somebody is like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to read that series for a while, you know, so can you talk a little bit about um, that piece and like where Kickstarter fits in with your whole plan your whole strategy for um, authorship yeah so this will probably be helpful for the people like me who don't have very many books out because you know I'm, I'm not a Russell or monica yet with you know gobs and gobs of backlist or like a jamie davis i know he's got a pretty good backlist too um so i've got you know i've got three books out to my name plus an anthology that i was just in so i don't have a very big backlist um so i really only have the the one series so i like Kickstarter too, because it's kind of helping me to almost build a fandom. And I don't have, you know, thousands of thousands of, you know, rabid fans yet, but I do have some rabid fans who they, they love the Pegasus in my series. They love the characters. They want everything about them. So, um, you know, all the fandoms had to start somewhere. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can start my fandom on Kickstarter and I'll, I'm on TikTok too. So I'm just, you know, trying to have cornerstones for wherever I can. Um, and I'm, I'm also a wide author, so I'm not a believer in putting all my eggs in one basket with just Amazon. So I like Kickstarter because it helps to diversify me, especially now. And this is also part of why I was thinking about having my um, page on launch and having my pre-launch page ready with, um, you know, the potential for a recession, the uncertainty with the election coming up. I want people now to like, you know, by the by, you know, January first, they might have forgotten about my campaign. But if they're following it now, they'll get those emails later. They'll be like, "Oh, there's that author I like. You know, her her thing is here, and it's a new year, and you know, let's read something fun." Um, so that's that's kind of my strategy. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I you know, I know, um, especially on Kickstarter, I think 
uh, November, well, especially this year in the U.S., there's an election coming up on November 8th. Um, so I think, you know, people are trying to avoid that. But then, you know, also in December, like things get a little quieter in the publishing space, um, especially on a Kickstarter where it's like the thing is not going to get there in time for the holidays, uh, which is what people are kind of looking for. So, yeah, I think I think it makes so much sense, especially um, on Kickstarter. There's a make 100 hashtag um, for people that, you know, you can kind of jump back into it then. So. Cool. Well, um, I think we're coming up on the hour. So did you want to share a little bit about where to find you? Um, any last Kickstarter tips if you have any? Yeah. So last Kickstarter tip is just to, um, number one, back other campaigns just so that you can show that you're part of the community. And then also look at the other campaigns there, because especially when you're on like Facebook and one of the Kickstarter starter groups, you'll see a lot of successful campaigns. So like I see those and I'm like, oh, everyone is successful and mine only funded it, you know, a little bit less than $5,000. I'm a failure. But then I go there and I'm like, oh, so many publishing campaigns aren't funding. I'm a success. And this is what I did right. And this is what they're not doing right to kind of see the difference. So definitely look at those other campaigns, the ones that aren't funding and the ones that are to kind of see what the difference is in them. And there's usually some pretty big differences in them. Um, and as far as where to find me, you can find my website at amycampbell.info. And I'm on a TikTok at author Amy Campbell. And I have Instagram that I don't do a lot with. And I'm on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, We really appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, bye, Amy. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with Monica and Russell on the Kickstart Your Book Sales podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to visit kickstartyourbooksales.com slash free to download our best resources to help supercharge your author career and take it to the next level starting today.